0: Parshas Bo, as we plow along in the story of Yetzirah Mitzrayim. So let's take a look at this piece by the Slanomer Ankiyani Yichbarati Esli Bo, which every year you can't study Shemos Bo and B'Shalach and not address the issue of the hardening of Paro's heart. What happened to free will? How could Hashem suspend Paro's free will? Isn't free will the axiom or foundation of, of life? God created a world for us to make choices and choices that yield consequences, and that's what gives life meaning. We make choices, we feel close, we make the right choices, we make the wrong choices, we create distance. That's true in our marriages, it's true in parenting, it's true in friendship, it's true in every arena in life, and it's true most of all with, with the Rebona himself. So when Akash Baruchus suspends free will, he essentially automates, turns us into a little robot. What is the point of, of being created? Hashem says to Moshe, Come to Para, which supports something we spoke about in the Parsha class a few weeks ago, the idea that Moshe is on Shlichus. ay Shlich, shalom Kamoso, how can you be a Kosh Baruch How can you be God's agent? We're so categorically different and and totally holy, W-H-O, unqualified to be Hashem's agent. So the answer is we're not because we're at Selem since we have a piece of Hashem in us, and maybe that's the shot Bo El Paro. Hashem doesn't say lech El Paro, He says Bo El Paro, I'm going with you. Either I'm going with you literally, I'll be by your side, or I'm going with you, that I'm inside you. So you are me. I'm going with you because you are a walking tzal Go to Paro and warn him. I don't understand. If Paro's heart has been hardened and he's been turned, rendered into an automated, robotic person to carry out God's will, why does he need a warning? A warning is for a person who has free will, and the purpose of the warning is exercise your free will correctly. Use good judgment. Paolo didn't have the luxury or choice of judgment. <laughs> Hashem already predicted. He said, I'm going to harden his heart and he won't send the people. <laughs> the Ramam addresses this. The Rambam describes there are people who perform such egregious violations. There are people who have forfeited their Tselem Elohim. They've acted in such repulsive, disgusting, reprehensible, deplorable ways that Hashem says, I revoke from you the right to do tshuva. I revoke it from you. What you've done is just so heinous, so egregious that I've revoked from you the right. You feel remorse? Good. I'm happy. That's nice. But what you've done is irreparable. You can't fix it. The possibility of coming back of starting fresh or starting anew that possibility is gone you just can't in La Havdil, there are cases of infidelity or violation of trust within a couple where some are are solvable in fact there's a, a wonderful therapist named Esther Perel Jewish Her parents are Holocaust survivors she was actually trained in Israel and um, she's written she's written very popular books she gave the most popular TED talk on this subject I tried to bring her here to speak this year, but we weren't able to coordinate. Hopefully, still next year. She gave an incredible TED talk on recovering from um, infidelity, whether it's physical infidelity or or um, emotional infidelity. And she talks about basically people will be married twice in their life. The only question is, will it be to the same person or a different person, and the ability to recover and recreate and start afresh and start anew, and it's it's really worthwhile. Just even for a healthy marriage, some of the the points you could take out. So there's her perspective and there is some there is some violation of trust or infidelity that can be recovered from. But sometimes people are so pained and so hurt that even if the other party feels genuinely feels bad and feels remorse and wants to start anew, the injured party says it's just irreparable. It's just it's it's impossible to rebuild it. It's just impossible. So Kirchborghus does the same thing about us. Sometimes we exercise free will, we violate his trust, we've practiced infidelity towards the Almighty in a way that's irreparable. So the Ramah describes, what does it mean that Hashem hardened Paro's heart? Was not Paro was some innocent guy skipping down the street, did nothing wrong. And Hashem said, huh, he'd make a good pawn. I'll harden his heart and I'll manipulate him to carry out my will. That's not what happened. Paro was this lowlife, oizvarf, Reject who had violated Hashem's will, who had compromised and forfeited and sacrificed his godliness, his humanity, and God says, okay, since he has no opportunity for tshuva anyway, since he lived and functioned in such a way that he's already forfeited his right to tshuva, he's the one I'm going to use. So the Raman wonders, then why send Moshe? Each time Moshe goes and says, No, did you change your mind? Are you willing to let him go? What's with the charade? What are you going through the optics of this for? It's clear, he wasn't deserving of the opportunity to tshuva, so Hashem therefore uses him as a pawn to uh, hold the people back. So why is Moshe going through this futile exercise of going and saying, Hey, let my people go? And the Ram says the reason is for all of us to learn that there are some behaviors which are irreparable. So Paro had acted in such a way that he forfeited his humanity, his godliness, and therefore Hashem used him, and tshuva was off the table. <laughs> According to the Ramah, Moshe wasn't really going to give tshuva, he wasn't going to warn Paro, because a warning suggests you can heed the warning, and it can alter your course of behavior. But Paro, that was impossible. So the warning wasn't a real warning. Pirashi However, there's another approach of many Rishonim and the that in fact Paro still had the opportunity. He could have come back. And that's why Moshe was going. To leave open the door a sliver, leave a tiny opening that should Paro want to force his way through that opening and want to come back, he could have. Even though I hardened his heart, there is another way towards chuva. So we're left with the question of what the Salaam Rabbi wants to address and what we're going to learn together this morning is what other method or pathway is there to chuva if Hashem's hardened your heart? I don't understand. Chuva is using free will to want to undo the past or redo the future. Or re- renew who you are in the present. That's what tshuva is: using free will, utilizing free will. So, how can you have your free will suspended, and yet have some means of of doing tshuva? Any thoughts? Okay, let's see what the rabbi has to say. I was just to buy myself time to take a sip of coffee. <laughs> So let's compare it to the world of the material, the physical world. That a person has kochos tivim. We have natural powers, natural talents, inclinations. They're, they're, They're known and recognized by all. I read an article several years ago about this grandmother... Whose grandchild was watching her grandchild, and the grandchild got pinned under a car, and she summoned superhuman strength to, but for a moment, lift the car a millimeter up enough for the child to roll out. And that's exactly what the Slam reb is describing. We have natural power, and we think that our natural power has a ceiling, it has a limit. So I'm able to bench press X, or I'm able to walk Y, or I'm able to stay awake for Z, or whatever it is, this is my natural, the boundaries of my natural abilities. But we're in extraordinary circumstances. So the human body is designed, I don't know exactly the chemical process of adrenaline release or whatever the, the chemical, Fire flight, uh, the fight or flight and the adrenaline release and whatever the chemical process is, but we, we are able to dig deep and find powers. We break through what are the normal boundaries to our, our natural uh, abilities and we find these extraordinary abilities for extraordinary circumstances. So a grandmother who weighs 100 pounds can lift a car so that her grandchild could roll out from under it. Or other such examples, right? Somebody who who, who ran a certain distance uh, to save their life. Somebody who the extraordinary circumstances. <inaudible> a person is drowning in the sea. <inaudible> so all of a sudden, a person is drowning in the sea. Their mind races and explores in in extraordinary speed different possibilities how to save themselves, and they do. Unbelievable things to be able to sustain themselves or if I throw you in the water and I say tread water for for six hours You'd say after four minutes. I'm done. I'm out. I wave the white flag. I'm done But if I throw you in there, it's the only way you're gonna live you dig deep and you find those powers Right people cut off their own arm and so on So what's true in the physical realm with a physical chemical process of an adrenaline release is true in the spiritual realm. There is a spiritual adrenal gland that pumps adrenaline, and we think we have these spiritual limitations that this is the best I can dab in. This is the best I can learn. This is the most I can be in touch with my nishama. But, based on the kind of ruchness, so is suggesting. That just like physically in extraordinary circumstances, in moments of grave danger I can find capacity I didn't know I had, so too in moments of great spiritual danger I can find capacity I didn't know I had. So I thought my amunah and bitachon is limited at whatever level. I thought there are boundaries to the amount of faith I could have. And then there are people who are in extraordinary circumstances, and they dig deep and they find even more. <laughs> We have a natural ability where I feel bad, so I regret the past, and I make a commitment for the future, and I'm willing to confess what I did wrong, and I ask for forgiveness. That's the natural process of tshuva. But there's limits to it. And then there's extraordinary tshuva. What does that stand for? There's a higher tshuva and a lower tshuva. So there's some violations where the lower tshuva is not enough, there's a willingness to be moster Nefesh that is buried deep within the Jew. A willingness to go above and beyond. So many of us are not willing to sacrifice money or time or energy or resource for Yahadus. Right? In our day and age, people don't want to have to give up. That was the article I wrote, The Tyranny of Convenience that I have a minion on my block, what do I want to walk to shul? It's over five minutes faster, what do I want to go longer? I don't want to revisit the merits, or demerits. and I wasn't trying to shut down such minion, I'm just uh, calling on people to rotate. So so I'm not willing to walk five minutes more, however, in a moment of great uh, struggle, I'd be willing to walk 40 miles to go save my child, or whatever the case may be. So there's a, there's a capacity from a serious nefesh that's inside us, it doesn't come out in ordinary circumstances. Ordinary circumstances, we're unwilling to be most nefesh. The tyranny of convenience. But in extraordinary circumstances, there's no, there's no desire for convenience. We're willing to do whatever it takes, and that includes even when it comes at a high price of Messias Nefesh. <speaking in Hebrew> so what's true in the physical realm with an adrenaline release is true in the spiritual realm, and it's true in the true tshuva, tshuva realm. Right, so... Every Elo, and every asar Chuva and every Ni'ilah, I have these dreams of who I can be. But there's boundaries to who I can be, right? So I, I'm not going to really give up everything, I'll just taper it back. I'm not going to totally become that other person, I'll just make some minor adjustments. But then there's the capacity for a chuva Ilah, for there's an, a wholesale Tshuva where I transform myself entirely. I'm no longer that person who was doing that. I have a new identity, I have a new drive, I have new aspiration. I have a new status, I'm a new person. He's saying that the same way, why why does your adrenal adrenal gland is that the right term? Why, does you, why do you get this adrenaline re- that allows you to do extraordinary physical accomplishments? Because of the fight or flight. Because you understand that the alternative to that extraordinary reaction is death. It's permanent. You're done. You're gone. You or the person you're trying to save. It's a permanent and it is the gravest consequence there is. So he says if that's what elicits or stimulates the physical adrenal gland it's the same thing that stimulates the, the spiritual adrenal gland. If a person feels, if I don't do something spiritually extraordinary right now, if I don't transform my identity, who I am, how I see myself, how others see me, how I behave, who I want to be, the legacy I want to leave, if I don't undergo an entire makeover and radical transformation right now, I'm spiritually a goner. I'm on the brink of spiritual death. I'm done, whether because of the, what I've done to myself or Hashem's rejection of me. So when a person realizes, Hashem doesn't want that, Hashem doesn't want my grandchild to die under this car. So I'm going to summon the strength to lift it. Hashem doesn't want me to not have the opportunity to tshuva. So I'm going to transform myself so radically that it's not that the old me can't do tshuva. There's such a brand new me, I don't even need to do tshuva. I've just transformed. I've been reborn to the point that's such a new me. So that's hard to achieve. The level of tshuva, if it's a brand new me, I'm not repairing the damage of the past. I've simply turns in I'm a new person, I'm a new model, I'm 2.0. That's usually due to extreme circumstances. Though. So it's, that's exactly, it's usually extreme circumstances. A person goes through a life or death thing, a person has the loss of a loved one, a person has a tremendous disappointment or regret in their life, a person has some radical extreme event, experience, condition, they're willing to undergo an extreme transformation. Just like the car pinning the child down is extreme, and there's an extreme reaction, counter to it, parallel to it, so too, when there's an extreme pressure or or there's a extreme um, predicament, on a spiritual level, there's an extreme reaction. So in in, in and Gimel, Pasuk says that Menasha, who was a wicked, evil king, did such terrible things like the most abominable among the nations, So despite what he had done, which was so egregious, there was a way back. They davened for him, and he came back, and Menasha knew Hashem and did tshuva. Should say vayater they davened on his behalf. Malach Misha also lo akosh baruch who kemin machteres barkia keli l'kavlo b'tshuva ne'midas hadin. Baruch who forged an opening, made a pathway for him to do tshuva. Kiminasha achas rishiyakokah b'yasr rabbi ne'hashem tshuva yerechalach zubetshuva. Both in teviah yidikochas at tevim, he had done was so reprehensible, so intolerable, so absolutely terrible that there was no way back in the ordinary path back. Right? So if he wanted to remain the old Manasha and just say, but you know, all those things that I did, I really feel bad. I'm not gonna do it again. That wasn't good enough given how badly he had soiled and blemished his his soul. So the only way was something radical. <laughs> So if you try to say the same person and just feel bad for things you did, there's no room left for you. That's irreparable. But if you're willing to become a new person, 2.0, a version of who you are, so it's not a matter of repairing the damage you had done, it's a matter of redefining and re-identifying who you are. Such a radical... Chuvah ila'a. Chuvah tita is I remain the same person, but I regret what I did. I'm trying to become a new me. Chuvah ila'a, the higher chuvah is, it's not that I'm the same person with regret, I'm a new person. Such a radical personal transformation. Viapisem before Indian parish, apish, afapish, echbartias libo adaneshes derach chuvah ha el tivis. Akinshah kosh borkal hases bor shadaneshu derach lukohola shuv. Achparo kafar bohanaga ha el tivis. Mashamelo yadatias Hashem. Mi Hashem ashashemabikolo. Kedua tashem ha vayamora ha ha el tivis. So Paro, even though Hashem hardened his heart, he still had a pathway till tshuva, if he would have undergone the personal transformation. So when we talk about he hardened his heart, it means in the lower realm, in the notion of I want to remain the same Paro, but I regret what I had done. Hashem says, no, I'm taking that away from you. You can't have regret, you can't have remorse, you can't feel bad, confess, make a Kabbalah la'asid. The normal formula or pathway towards tshuva, that was denied to Paro. That's what Hashem hardened his part. But there's an alternate route. There's another, a third way towards, a second way towards tshuva, another path. And that is the radical personal transformation. Had Paro wanted to stand up and say, I'm not the same Paro who enslaved these Jews. I'm a new man. Not that I'm the same man with regret, I'm 2.0. That opening was still available to him. And that's why he needed Hasra. The warning was regarding whether he would take advantage of that parallel opening, the other path to tshuva, which is the radical transformation path. That's probably why Makos came, because that's one of those extreme circumstances, right? When your kid's dying. Exactly. As the Makos progressed in intensity, and you get to the Makos pahoros, that's the equivalent of your grandchild being pinned under the car. Would he then take advantage? And this, this, this answer is the theological dilemma everyone talks about every year. Where's the free will of Hashem harden your heart? And the answer is, He partially hardened his heart. He hardened his heart from the lower level tshuva, but He left open the possibility of the radical personal transformation. We know Rebbe ben Avuya, Acher, Gamar tells us the story of how he went off, and Rebbe his Talmud, continued to try to bring him back, Right, He was walking with the, on the horse on Shabbos, and Rav is walking alongside him, the and they get to the end of the Tchum, and Lishav Avuya and Acher says, okay. you've got to stop here, You're not. I, I'm going to keep going, but you're not allowed to keep going with me. It's an incredible uh, whole story of, of uh, the paradise and Acher oh, and Great book, As a Driven Leaf. As a Driven Leaf. The whole story of how Acher goes off, and Rav tries to bring him back. So in the story of Acher, there's a basical, a heavenly voice that says, Shuvu Bona Shovavim, we are in the midst of Shovavim right now, Pasukin this is the time of year designated to work on our Kedusha. So, Shovim, um, everyone can return except for Acher. So Acher heard that and he said, There's no way back from me. Everyone is allowed to transform. Everyone is allowed to have regret. Everyone's allowed to repair damage except me. Okay, I'm out of here. So the Helega Svaram the Chasidash say that the heavenly voice was testing Acher. The point was, Acher was not supposed to hear that and say, fine, I guess that's me, I'm the bad kid, I'll continue to act as the bad kid. Acher was supposed to say, despite you saying, I can never change, I'm going to prove you wrong. We, the Jewish people, are in the business of saying to the world, we're going to prove you wrong. There's no fatalism. There's no sense of that's who I am. You can't put us in a in a box, in a corner. You can't label us and think we're just going to behave that way because you've labeled us. So what I'm going to say supposed to look at that Baskel and say I'm going to prove you wrong. Don't say I'm going to be back. The says whatever the balabaz tells you to do you have to do unless they tell you leave. So Meaning, say, Me say, and you're not supposed to listen to the Balabais when he says say. Achar should have looked at the Balabais, namely the Ribonashalolam, the Baskol, and said, I'm not out of here. I'm not the bad guy. I'm not denied Shuva. I'm gonna prove you wrong. If Hashem says, I'm so repulsed by you. You've so violated my trust that it's irreparable. Leave. You're supposed to say, "I'm not taking no for an answer." I'm going to smother you with flowers and chocolates and cards. I'm going to prove my behavior. I'm going to go above and beyond. I'm going to be so selfless in this relationship that I'm not taking no for an answer. Ella, because when the Balabai says "say," what he's really saying is, "Let me see how invested you are in this relationship," right? So when, when the person's trust has been violated and they say to the other party, I don't know if we have a future, I don't know if we can stay married. Often what they're saying is, let me see how much you're willing to fight for this. How hard are you willing to fight for this? They don't really mean say. They mean, how hard are you willing to fight for it? And the Rishos chachma is saying, that's the Pshat. When the Gemara says, everyone can do tshuva chutzmei acher, the Basco was saying to acher, how, how hard are you willing to fight for this? How far are you willing to go? Are you satisfied you want to just do a lower level tshuva because that won't be enough? Are you willing to undergo a radical transformation? So what the Salman Rebbe is saying is a tradition that a Jew always has a way back. Because we have a tradition... The Rambam. The Rambam is clearly saying, there are things you can do that are so egregious that you forfeit your salam alokim, and there simply is no way back. And the Salam Rebbe is reinterpreting that to mean, yeah, in the classic method of a way back, there's no way back. So meaning, normally you did something wrong to your wife, so you buy her flowers, you get her a dress, you really say you're sorry and you show some sincere, authentic remorse and regret. You go make an extra effort for the next week, two weeks, you take bath time and bedtime or you do the dishes. And normally that's good enough but there are things that are so bad that that's not good enough. You have to become a different husband, a different person, a radical transformation. So when the Rambam says that, that there are people who forfeited their Tzalim al-Kim that there's no way back, it means don't think the flowers, the chocolates and doing the dishes will be enough. But there is still always a way back for a Jew if we're willing to redefine and undergo the radical transformation. And that was true for Menashe, and it was true for Acher and that was the test of Acher. When HaKash Baruch said, "Chutz Me'acher," say, leave, he was saying, how hard are you willing to fight for this relationship? And it's true for Paro. Even though Hashem hardened Paro's heart, hardening his heart meant don't bring flowers or chocolates or do the dishes. That's what hardening his heart. But he still had the ability to undergo the radical transformation and that's what demanded the Hasra from Moshe. Even though he wasn't a Jew? Even though he wasn't a Jew. Yeah. Because we're talking about all these examples of Jews. True, true. And this is the experience of Yitzchus Mitzrayim that in the natural order the Jewish people didn't deserve to be redeemed. They were in the forty ninth level of tuma. They only reason they were redeemed they were unworthy. They were in the forty ninth level of tuma. It's almost as if they weren't even in a place or position to do the ordinary path of tshuva, the ordinary process of tshuva, but they did want to transform themselves. They didn't want to be the slave nation with a slave mentality who were so contaminated with the impurities of Egypt. They dreamt of something better, something different. They wanted to undergo a transformation. And that's how they got out. Included in the mitzvah, to remember daily the exodus from Egypt, why does it say kol In order to include nights. In all the circumstances of darkness, where there is no natural path or way, or way out, where there is no natural path or way out, we were so saturated with the influence of Egypt, we were hardly in a position to deserve to be redeemed. So sometimes when you're on a rock bottom, so the alcoholic or the addict who hits rock bottom, who if their lifestyle or the choices they've made in the recent past is entirely undeserving of another chance but by hitting rock bottom and realizing that they want to transform they want to be better they envision a radical change in who they want to be that supplants the ordinary and that enables them to have a chance so the Slum Rebbe is concluding and saying that what we're supposed to remember every day, when we invoke Yitzhiyot Mitzrayim and we remember every single day about Yitzhiyot Mitzrayim, what we're supposed to remember is the potential to change, to never give up hope, to fight for this relationship, to realize that we're never utterly or entirely rejected, that just like there are extraordinary physical circumstances where we have to draw extraordinary physical strengths, so to their extraordinary spiritual moments where we have to draw from extraordinary spiritual strengths. And we all have that planted within us. We have that capacity. If we're willing to dig deep and we're willing to vision a different future, we're willing to radically transform ourselves, the door is never entirely closed.